Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Say It Loud Network presents Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith. With a career that spans over 34 years and 24 albums, Will Downing is one of the most versatile and loved voices of our time. He's often known as the Prince of Sophisticated Soul, and his repertoire consists of a signature interpretations of R&B classics, too many to name in such a short time. Not only is he a terrific singer, but he's a fabulous voiceover artist, and he has his own weekly radio show. He is known not necessarily always by his name, but certainly by his melodious baritone voice. Please welcome Will Downing to the show. Well, thank you for joining me today. You know, your voice is so recognizable, your performance uh, and your skill level uh, so outrageous. Let's start back a little bit. Let's start back in Bed-Stuy. Oh, and, we're going back. <laughs> yeah, take me back to Bed-Stuy and a young Will who's deciding if he's going to be a football player or a singer. Take, take him back to your, your internal conversations. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm no different from any other person that's ever walked on the planet. We all have dreams of of things that are sometimes not realistic. So I'm no different. And uh, I was a sports nut when I was a kid, man. I literally lived across the street from a park. So I played baseball, football, basketball, all of those things. And uh, yeah, I wanted, I, I thought that's what I wanted to do. But I guess God had other plans for me. You know, physically, I stopped growing at a certain point. I remember playing football, and uh, which I thought I wanted to do as well as basketball. And I remember there was a, a kid that we used to play with, a guy named Travis Tucker. i never forget his name. And he ended up playing in the pros as well. Uh, that kid hit me so hard one day playing football, I realized like that wasn't going to be my calling. So, uh, <laughs> I, I figured it, it had to be something else, man. So fortunately, music has always been a part of my life. Uh, so yeah, man, I've been very blessed. And I got lucky, you know, as, as, a, as a lot of people say. Well, well, take me to there for a second, because it's in the early 60s. You're a sports nut. I was also a sports nut, still am. But you say music has always been in your life. Well, you know, I don't come from a musical family, but for some reason, I've always had this connection with music. I mean, songs have always made me feel a particular way. I've always been someone to imitate uh, other artists. And I've, that's kind of been like my calling. Anytime that I was going through anything, music has always pulled me through. Uh, you know, when I told my parents that this is what I wanted to do as I, as I got older, I mean, they laughed their asses off. I mean, my, <laughs> my father's been gone for about six years and I can still hear him laughing when I said, Hey, man, I want to sing for a living. And he <laughs> fell out. Uh, he, <laughs> He, he's only laughed like that twice in his life. Once was when I told him I wanted to go into the military. You know, I said, hey, man, me and my buddy, Ralph, we're going to do the buddy-buddy program. We're going to put in 20 years together in the Marines. And then by the time we're 38 years old, you know, we're going to have all this money and we're going to be retired. And he, he laughed then. And then he laughed at when I said, I want to be a professional, you know, singer, musician, recording artist. And he hollered about that. So, you know. Here you are. Your 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 father was a sky cap at the airport. Your mother was a teacher. Correct. You tell your dad that you want to be a singer. Your dad laughs at you. But what is it inside of you that kept you, despite kind of 
the laughter say, I'm really going to do this. I'm going to stick to this. Well, I, I really didn't have many other options, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, it, it had to work for me. I was never what you might call a scholar. I was a good I was a good student. I was not a great student by by far. I didn't believe I was college material because I wasn't interested in academics that way. Mm -hmm. So when I was coming out of high school, I was going into the military. That was like, you know, there was no other dream like that was it. And God had another plan. What they say, uh, man plans, God laughs. Uh -huh. So when I went to the recruiting office, I had my pen on the paper and he looked at my uh, my date of birth and he says, oh, man, you're, you're 17. I said, yeah. So he says, yeah, you need your parents consent. And so when I went home, my parents wouldn't sign it. So I didn't have very many options. It was kind of like, well, you know, you ain't going into the military, but you ain't staying here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was kind of like. Well, you know, you kind of got me cornered. He's like, yeah, well, you know, why don't you go to college? So I ran into someone who gave me a scholarship to a small school in Richmond, Virginia, uh, HBCU, school called Virginia Union University. That's right. And, yeah. And I went down there and I studied some music for about a year and came back to New York after that and uh, didn't have a plan and just kept running into my musician friends that were doing things and they kept inviting me to participate. And, uh, you know, the ball started rolling. I started doing one thing, then another, but they were very small things, but all these things started happening and kind of jump-started, you know, what now is a career. Did you, early in the process, when you were just getting started, mm -hmm. did you always believe that despite the fact that it was early, that you were still gonna make it no matter what? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know you might be looking for some some great stuff. No. I always knew I was gonna like. No, uh, I mean I was content making a dollar doing what my folks would consider to be non-work. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm making a living now, and I ain't lifting no bags. I'm not you know, breaking <laughs> my back. I ain't busting no rocks. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm doing all right. And I uh, became a father at a very, very young age. I became a father at the age of 19. So wow. I needed money. So I wasn't even thinking about, like, I put my kind of aspirations of being anything aside. I just needed to be a provider more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So I was happy to have a gig, you know, making money doing what I loved. And I had a regular job as well. So I was able to kind of juggle both. What was your regular job? <laughs> okay. Add an S to that. Make that plural. Uh, jobs. <laughs> Let's see. I worked, uh, I worked for a law firm answering telephones. I worked at a, it was a company that they were buyers for stores. So I worked there for a bit. I wasn't doing that job, but I had another job there. I worked in like the mail room. So I had I mean, I had 10, at least 10 jobs that like were nonsensical jobs, but they brought in a couple of dollars. Sure. I remember being a, a, a solicitor for Time Life, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had every job under the sun, man. You know, it's interesting that it's almost like the struggling artist syndrome where you have your passion and you want to pursue your passion, but you still got to make a living until you maybe strike it big. And so I would imagine that even though these other jobs were helping pay the bills, your passion for music and your dream to be a musician full time, I would imagine that never diminished. Oh, no, no, never diminished. But it's funny. I was kind of happy being in the background. I didn't mind. I kind of love being a background. So it wasn't in really in the forefront of my mind until one day I was working for, I was singing background for Jonathan Butler. Uh, mm -hmm. And somehow they gave me his check. Somehow our <laughs> checks got mixed up. And I looked at like his check. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 this what you making? Okay. <laughs> so 
I want to be a solo artist now. I want to be in the front. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was the one thing that kind of like, yeah, I, I think I want to be a solo artist now. Yeah, I'll, I'll be the dude in the front doing the thing. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, I think, is you know, not only are you a great singer in your own right, but you've worked with some of the best. I mean, Jennifer Holiday, Nona Hendrix. Rose Royce. I mean, you have worked with the names of the names. Yeah. I mean, in the early 80s, that was my gig. You know, you're a singer for hire. Um, so, yeah, as I said, uh, I alluded to earlier, like when your name gets around New York and you start working with the premier vocalists in New York, you know, you get calls for all kind of stuff. I'm just looking at my walls. I'm talking to you. So I got called from Mariah Carey one time. And so I did her record. And then she heard me at the session. She was like, oh, I really love your voice. You know, and then they called me back the following week. We ended up doing a duet together. How so, does that, how, how does that, well, take me through that. How was it? Mariah Carey, one of the biggest selling artists of all time, mm -hmm. says, hey, I want to sing with you. Well, how does that work? How do you feel? What, how does that conversation happen? Well, it's an amazing feeling, obviously, you know, um, it, it makes you feel validated, you know, like there's a lot of very talented people out here in the world, obviously. And you look at yourself as being special, but not being elite. I mean, at least the way that's the way I look at myself. So to get a phone call like that or to be asked like to my face, kind of like, oh, you know, like, listen, what are you doing next week? I have this song I'm working on and I just happen to think that your voice would fit perfectly. And at that point, I wasn't like a household name. Not that I am now, but I really was the household name then. She just thought that the combination of the two voices would work and they gave me the call gave me the opportunity and you know fortunately for both of us you know it worked out you know made a couple of dollars uh in association with a you know grammy winning artist and we both you know kind of won it was a win-win situation what are the mechanics like when you go into the booth are you together are you doing your part she does how does that work for those of us who you know are not familiar with how the recording process is well, it's not necessarily a particular way. I mean, I've done duets where we, you know, we've been in a booth. There's a glass partition, a wood and glass partition between the two artists, two microphones. You look at each other and you can sing that way. Uh, or you can Frankenstein a vocal together, as I say it. You know, uh, one artist might go into the, into the booth and the producer kind of, you know, gives them guidance, direction, and you do your part and you try to imagine the emotion that you're supposed to, you know, emote when you're doing the vocal and mm -hmm. you do your thing. And then they go on and they do their part. And then, you know, the other person might sing something and say, okay, yeah, do a harmony to that. And you just sort of Frankenstein it together and you make it work. Which do you like best? Which, which method? I like uh, doing the individual tracks, you know, best. I like going in individually because uh, that way you can fix, you know, what ain't right. You know, if you're doing it with someone and they do their part perfectly and you're not, you know, you're kind of stuck with the performance that's there, you mm -hmm. know, because of the leakage of, you know, you being so close to one another, the vocal might leak over into your microphone and you're going to hear what they're doing. So it's hard to fix that way. So, yeah, I like going in individually and, and doing my part and then the other person doing another. You've been a very steady and a very consistent and prolific R&B singer. You've had a really successful career, but I want to ask you, what do you define as being a successful career in your eyes? Well, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, the mere fact that I am on album number 24, I've uh, been doing this since as a solo artist since 1988. So the longevity for me is the, you know, the star on the forehead. That's the pat on the back. That's the that's the prize of it all. Um, I look back and I think of all the artists that I started this race out with. and There were mm. tons of them. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you, there's, there's thousands upon thousands of artists out here and we all start out kind of doing the same thing, competing for the same dollar. And to have sustained this long as I've seen some of the other artists kind of fall to the side and, you know, no longer in the business for one reason or another. Some mm-hmm. artists have unfortunately passed away. Some artists just don't want to do this anymore. Some artists just, you know, there's different stories as to why folks don't do this anymore. And I've been very blessed enough to have been able to have done this for this long and consistently, you know, putting out music that people seem to like. Do you ever remember a moment where you said, wow, I made it, I made it? No, I <laughs> nope. I, you know, I, I look at every album Every album, I'm trying to make it. Every mm-hmm. album, I'm trying to outdo the last project. Um, I'm trying to give a better performance, find better songs, do a better production, everything. So, no, man, I'm always trying to make it. I'll be doing that until the day I'm not doing this anymore. So even after all these years and being so successful to you, you're still a work in progress. You're still trying to improve. I mean, I, I find that inspirational and fascinating at the same time. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same as an athlete or the same as, you know, what we all do. That's kind of what you're supposed to do. I mean, you may look at a basketball game and LeBron might have scored 50 last night. You know, his goal is to do that again and to win for the team. You know, and people paid their money tonight to see what he did last night. I want to, you know, I want 50 points. I want 51 tonight. So, no, (laughs) it, it never freaking stops. I mean, that's what the audience expects from you. That's what you expect for yourself. So you always try to be the best you that you could be per project. Okay, so here you are, you know, deep into your career. Are there still things you haven't done that you want to do? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's what every album is something that I had not foreseen doing. When I start a project, most times there's no rhyme or reason to what I'm doing. It just sort of, it, it starts rolling down the hill from one thing. So every time I do something, I'm inspired to do something else. So it's, it's never ending. The creative process doesn't end. And when it does end, then that's when, you know, you kind of end. You always want to do more. You always want to be better. You always have something to say. When you have nothing to say, then, you know, that's the real problem. Yeah. What What do you think has been a really integral part to your success? What attribute or characteristic about you do you think has contributed largely to your success? Um, consistency, stick to those are two of, of the biggest things. And I just happen to just love what I do. You know, yeah. I, I really, I really do love it. I mean, there's certain nights when I'm on stage or when we were performing, uh, you know, yeah, you, you'd get up there and you'd be beat to crap, but then something would happen during the show and remind you like, man, this is, you know, it don't get no better than this. Yeah. And then when the audience starts singing along when you're performing, man, it's just <laughs> the best feeling in the world. Uh, what's interesting is I, I know, what you, I know how you feel. I feel like when you have a passion and you are pursuing and doing your passion it doesn't feel like work it feels exactly. like you're having fun i feel the same when i'm when i'm writing when i'm writing people say how do you write so much but to me it's the same thing as someone going out for a bike ride like it's it's fun to me i enjoy right. it you know right. uh, it happens to be something a lot of the people can't do very well because they don't like to write but i just i'm lucky enough i do it pretty well and i enjoy it if you had to say you know when you go out on the stage are you still nervous before you go out after all these years not really nervous. I'm more anxious. I'm more anxious to get up there to see, you know, what we're going to do tonight. I mean, it's not, this isn't, you know, 
plug and play. I mean, something will happen during the night that'll inspire me to do something. And hopefully I'll do something that'll inspire the audience to act a particular way and will inspire the band to do something. So every night it's different. So I'm anxious to get out there. My goal every night when I'm on stage is to do the perfect performance. I haven't done it yet, ever. <laughs> so, but every night and when that moment, when I screw up, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> you know, like, all right, well, we, we got tomorrow and we got to finish right now. But, yeah. you know, that that's always my goal, man, to go up on stage and to have like the perfect performance. And if not, I don't get it, then, you know, tomorrow, next week, whatever, we just keep on going. We ain't going to stop till the casket drop. So it's always fun <laughs> for me to get up on that stage and do my thing. I never get nervous. You know, we just have fun with it. It seems like optimism is a major driver um, in your life. You're a very optimistic person. You look at the positive side of things. Well, yeah. Well, without a doubt, without a doubt, I've been through too much in my life to not have that attitude, you know, that ne I'm never going to give up. You know, that's my whole thing. You know, uh, this is a funny business. Um, once again, much like sports, and I always I feel sorry for using that as a reference. Point, that's all right. But they're, they're very parallel, you know, um, with entertainment and with sports. And sometimes they're one and the same. Uh, mm -hmm. You age out. You know, and that's that's always the worst feeling for an athlete. Like, I'm too old to do this anymore. And with, you know, with music, it's the same thing. You know, people start looking at you like, yeah, hey, you lost a step. You know, you look over your shoulder. There's someone new, young, up and coming, better looking, better something, better. And you kind of like, ah, I got to keep going, you know. So <laughs> I always look at it from that standpoint, man. So I'm, I'm always trying to outbetter myself and to, and to keep up with the pack or have you the pack, you know, following me. Well, your voice sounds the same to me. Do you feel like you've lost anything? Well, I mean, uh, you know, of course, I listen to some of the early recordings. There's an enthusiasm and a youthfulness in your performances that, you know, just time, you know, you ain't going to beat time. Time is the winner and champ. You know, you just <laughs> you just can't beat it. So, yeah, there's always things that I hear from years ago, like I might be able to sing higher or, you know, there's a clarity that I might have had. But, you know, your your throat and your voice is a muscle. So general wear and tear is, you know, that's it's going to happen. Yeah. So you're not going to sound the same. You have to find ways to do uh, what you do and what people expect of you. So you just have to find a new way. Do you remember a situation where you felt like you had to really fight against a great adversity in your career? A fight against adversity or, or life in general? Well, just just d difficulties trying to become a successful recording artist and musician, singer. I mean, and, you know, did you face an uphill climb or a battle that just sticks to your mind at all? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're an employee of a company, you're always fighting, you know, a battle because of your artistic beliefs opposed to what they want you to do because of their financial, <laughs> you know, obligation to you and to, you know, to the audience at large. It's like they spend money on you. So they expect you to be a particular way because so they can make their money back and profit. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's always, you know, when you're the major company, that's always a fight. So you're always kind of like, hey, I need you to believe me. I need you to believe in me. And they're like, yeah, but this is our money. <laughs> so this yeah. is what we want. So it's always a fight. There's always an uphill battle, you know, uh, and if the thing works in your benefit, then great. You know, most times people take the credit for something that they had nothing to do with. <laughs> but but when when it falls, it's your fault. <laughs> so there's always that adversarial kind of like, hey, this is what I want. And then, well, this is what I do, you know, and trying to meet in the middle somewhere. What singers do you like to listen to? Ooh, all the all the classic ones. Uh, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder. Luther Vandross to me is, you know, a freak of nature. I used to go see Luther perform 
I would go just to see if he was going to make a mistake. <laughs> I swear to you. Because at first it was like, oh, man, I admire this dude so much. He's got an incredible voice. He's got incredible tone. The production is. And then after a while, I would go to the shows. And I was like, this dude didn't make a mistake. I'm going to go next week. <laughs> go see what he does. And, you know, I'd fly somewhere. Like, I'd call him again. Like, dude has not made a mistake. So for me, he's like, you know, the the, the top tier. Uh, old uh, Older singers, classic singers, your Nat King Coles. Uh, your uh, Donny Hathaway, mm. you know, mm. yeah, people like that. You know, Peebo yeah. Bryson. I was a Peebo Bryson nut uh, oh. when I was younger. Yeah, so beautiful voice. Jeffrey Osborne still sounds the same to this day. I'm like, you're like a freak of nature, man. So yeah. uh, I enjoy singers like that. Oh, nice would be to get all you guys on the stage one night. You know what? We tried. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to do, I tried to do a tour with Luther and with uh, Gerald Levert. Uh-huh. And we just could not, we were going to try to do like a, a for ladies only kind of thing. Yeah. And we just could not get the business together to make it happen. What does that mean, the business together? Uh, fine, you know, okay. <laughs> Who gets what? <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I, I deserve the lion's share because I am. And, you know, uh-huh. I get this much sta- uh, space on the stage, you know, so oh, stuff really? like that. It gets oh. it gets down to that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, listen, there's been many a night that I've performed where I had to perform in front of the curtain with a full band. You know, like they're you know, because behind the curtain is obviously the main stage for the uh the primary act, but they like put you in front of, you know, the the curtain, uh, give you uh one less amp to work with, you know. Wow. So like when the when the main performer comes on, the sound is all of a sudden huge and your sound, you know, it's not bad, but it's whole it's a whole lot smaller. So, yeah, there's all kind of stuff that, you know, that artists, you know, used to do to the young up and coming artists of the day. You know, the, the seasoned performer, the, the primary act would kind of do all kind of crazy things, you know, to make sure that you did not outshine them. So, yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Do you ever do you ever look back and think, wow, I should have done this differently as far as kind of maybe your some business decisions or, you know, or do you feel like you did it the way it should have been done? I think I did it the way it should have been done. I think, you know, there's a lot of other artists that, as I said before, I started with that made a lot more money a lot quicker than I did. But we always make the reference to, you know, the tortoise and the hare and the tortoise won the race. So I'm the tortoise in the in the race. So I'm good. You know, after 30 some odd years of still doing it, uh, I always get like emails from folks that I started out with. And I say, man, you're still doing it, man. Like (laughs) you're still at theaters. You're still releasing records. I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I decided to turn left as opposed to going right. You know, <laughs> sometimes that, those decisions are the ones that are life changing. All right. Here we go. Well, we got um, I do something called to end the interview. I do something called the random seven. OK, I'm going to ask you seven random questions. You can give just quick answers. OK, you got it. You got it. Here we go. What do you own that's really expensive but don't feel guilty about? I own that's very expensive. Don't feel um, microphones. Which person or celebrity did you always have a crush on and why? Sade. <laughs> yes, for the same reason that, you know, for those who can't see us, your head just flew back and you got a big smile on your face. <laughs> she creates a vibe and she is stunning. That And, and she and, and, and I'm sorry, I know it's supposed to be quick answers, but just a quick, you know, addendum to that. Uh, she does, in my opinion, she does everything wrong. Like she smokes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she, she has, from what I hear, time issues, which is like big for me. But with her, I'm willing to forgive it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you weren't working as a singer, what would your dream job be? Um, I would probably be in radio. 
Yeah. You got the All voice right. for it. Well, thank you. I've got to have the intelligence, though. So, you know, I better keep singing. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite song that you can hear it a hundred times and feel good about it? Uh, of mine or of someone else's? Yours. Um, whew. There's a song that I recorded called Love's the Place to Be, and the album was 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 titled that as well. That's like my all-time favorite song by me. That's a hell of a thing to say. Like, I'm patting myself on the back. That's one of my all-time favorite songs by me. And uh, even to this day, when I hear the song, I well up, man. It's just a song. I don't know why. It just touches my heart. I love that. How about another artist? Uh, probably A House Is Not A Home, Luther Vandross. Hmm. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. Yeah. You ain't said nothing. Um. <laughs> Who would you like to have a long dinner with who you haven't met yet and why? It's funny, man. Someone asked me this that same question a while ago. And my answer then was Marvin Gaye. But they said something that triggered something in my mind and in my heart. They said, if you could sit down and have dinner and talk with someone, they said, Jesus Christ. And I was like, I yeah, you got me on that. One. <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm 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 gonna go with I'm gonna go with Christ. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so um, tell me about that wine and walking on water thing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. What really makes you angry? Wow. <laughs> How long is your show? Uh, <laughs> ignorance makes me angry. Ignorance. Uh, Sometimes for myself and for and mainly from other people, just ignorance just got like, you know, gets me gets me fuming, man. Last question. When someone comes across an article written about you 100 years from now, what do you want that article to say about you? Um, I would want the article to say that this was a, a real artist who could identify with the real man. And I'm not just saying that, you know, and from a male perspective, man to man, I mean, as a person, as a, as a people. And one of the greatest vocalists to have ever walked on the planet. <laughs> I want to be up there on that Pantheon with uh, with your Luthers and your Marvin Gaye's and your Aretha Franklin's. I would love my name to, to, to be part of that list, however long the list may be. Just to be mentioned would be enough for me to be in that number. Wonderful. I'll leave it there. Will Downing, thank you for your voice. Thank you for your work and thank you for your optimism and making so many millions of people feel good just hearing you vocalize words to songs. Thank you. My man, 50 grand. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith is hosted by Dr. Ian Smith, associate producer Lauren Turner, executive producer Ian Smith, edited by Ken Johnson, executive producers Omar Thompson, Andrew Kalb, and Ken Johnson. Find the Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.